Hey, Sam, guess what? What? Can you believe we've made it one year? I cannot believe it. Coming to you from the heart of Kane's country, this is the Kaniac Report. Your number one source for everything Carolina Hurricanes, hot takes, predictions, game analysis, and NHL news. And now your hosts, Sam Wallace and Sam Driscoll. All right, we are back with another episode of the Kaniac Report. We've hoped you've had a good couple of weeks. It's been a while since um, our last episode because we were focusing on this episode. And Sam, I'm really excited. And that intro that they just listened to, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's new. All kinds of new, 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 new. It's a good way to start the... To finish off our first year, I know most people, their seasons run from season to end season to beginning, but we started kind of midway last year, right around the All-Star break, and we have made it a full season. Um, a little bit a little bit over, because last week was really the one-year mark, but we're kind of, we're there, we made it a whole year. Yes, definitely, and when starting out... Uh, planning for this episode i was originally just going to do like kane's news and kane's games but then i realized i wanted this episode to be about the people that brought us here so this episode is going to be a little bit longer than our usual episodes uh, we have tons of guests on because these are all guests that have been yeah. on our episodes the past year yeah we're talking about trade deadline we thank them for being on in the past we're talking about the outdoor game and do not worry we will do a preview of the outdoor game later in the week we're going to drop that on friday at least that's the tentative plan so you're not going to hear us really talk about the outdoor game this time but you'll really hear us delve into that next week a little bit early of an episode short one but we want to make sure we talk about it Yes, definitely. And we will be at the Fan Fest yeah, so if on you wanna, Friday. If you want to come stop by, say hi, just send us a message. We're more than happy to meet you guys. Yes, definitely. And um, we are recording this right now after the brutal loss against the Rangers. So there are a few games that we did not cover. Uh, that game, the Buffalo win, and the win before that, that was the... Um, Remember me on that game. What was that game, Sam? The one before? Before the Buffalo game. Because this was before All-Star break. Man, we didn't play a game for like 10 days. You really think I'm going to remember? It was L.A. It was L.A. I remember L.A. Yeah, L.A. Um, We played at Los Angeles, uh, Boston, and San Jose. So, I mean, we were on a really good stretch. Um, You know, it's just unfortunate to lose a game the way we did. Um, Especially to the Rags. So, sucks, but move on. Yeah, again, like... I'm not going to say that um, this game um, I'm going to criticize them a lot about because it's the first game back in 10 days. Now, I understand we do need a goal score. We talked about that with our guests and all that type of stuff. But I don't think the Rangers game was the greatest example considering we was the first time that we played in the past yeah. 10 days. And I think when we play New York in March will be a more will be a better indicator for probably what's to come because that's after the trade deadline, right? So I think that game will be more of an indicator. We had won 11 straight when we played New York in Madison Square Gardens last time. I mean I I understand. I get it. 
It's just frustrating. I'm still in the belief, and you'll hear me talk with Adam Gold, Scott Burnside, in just a few minutes about that too. Of just about how, how where are where are my personal beliefs, and I know you agree with me about the needs of this franchise right now. Um, we talk a lot about Timo Meyer. You'd hear me talk with Adam Gold. I believe about Tarasenko, but understand that conversation I believe was had before the Tarasenko trade, if I'm remembering correctly, because I think Tarasenko was traded the day after or maybe even later that day. So I didn't have that information at the time. To my remembrance, it's been a while. I recorded that early last week. So, Yes, and again, we think all these uh, guests that have come on. So here is our first interview with me. Um with Holden Bradshaw. Hey guys, just one more thing before we get to the interview with Holden. Uh, there is some poppy noise whenever I speak for some reason. Don't know why, but just wanted to give you guys a head up before we get to that interview. All right, we have Holden Bradshaw back on uh, the Kaniac Report. He was on episode 10 uh, very early on um, during our uh, time with the Canag report with it being one year so holden uh how do you feel about the hurricane season so far uh well you know unfortunately i haven't been able to actually go to as many games as i'd like but i've tried to keep up with it as best as i can and you know i could have a few nitpicks here and there but overall can't really have any complaints given the the record that they have going on right now Exactly. They've been playing very good. They're still first in their division. They've been uh, playing great. Uh, so uh, looking back on the season so far, has there been like any surprises for you on this team? Uh, surprises in a good way. Uh, definitely liking that the uh, star players like Aho, uh, Sveshnikov, uh, and the others definitely, definitely seen a much bigger presence from them. I would say uh, they seem to be guiding things a lot more than they have in the past. Not saying that they didn't do well in the past either, but they seem to be taking those next steps to keep pushing forward and be those lead players that we we really need them to be. Uh, one thing that has surprised me in that sp- spot is uh, Teravine and. Seems to be having a bit of a rough, rough time this season. It seems to be starting to come back, but I don't. I don't know if you've thought the same thing or not. But that's definitely something that I've kind of noticed. Yeah, both Sam and I have noticed about Teravine's production, but I agree with you. I think as of lately, the past couple, past few weeks, I think he's kind of been better. Uh, other surprises, uh, just. The overall roundness of the defense with like Catfield especially. Uh I know when he initially got brought up, uh <clears throat> I immediately said that that guy's gonna be a big part of it in the future. And well can't say I've been disappointed with his play this season at all. In fact it's even surprised me more just how gritty it is and how good of a shot he actually has. <laughs> I know he has a great shot, and I think uh, what you would agree with is that the thing that's really sticking now with how good he's been playing is his skating ability. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, he's able to actually, if, if he does make a mistake, he's able to recover so nicely. Um, so another question, um, uh, when, in terms of surprises, um, I'm sure you've probably agreed that Natchez has had a reinsurgence. Oh, 100%. This season. Def- yeah. Definitely, definitely a large insurgence that was very much needed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it, it's really nice to uh, see that even though he had a down season last season, it's really nice that he's kind of, I mean, right now, uh, we're, we're recording this before the Rangers game, um, he's leading the team in points. So it's just great that he's uh, been producing for this team. Um, so he, another question is, are you, um, we know in a week we have the outdoor game. How excited for you are on that? Well, seeing that it'll actually be the first game that I'll be able to physically make it to this year. 100% really, really excited. Uh, also, it's just a, it's just a big, draws a lot of attention to it in the state. Uh, which is good, gets more attention to the hockey, the hockey team and all that. Uh, it'll be a very, I expect it to be a very gritty and heavy game, seeing that it's against Washington. You know, Definitely. someone the the Hurricanes don't necessarily get along with. It seems. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Hopefully the weather. Hopefully the weather is good for it. Uh. It's been pretty hot the past few days, in my opinion, up in the seventies around here. So, oh yeah, it's yeah, it's been like that around here too. But it's gonna be a it's gonna be an event. It's gonna be great. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's 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 really gonna be fun. We, I'm sure, like because we're both Canes fans, we just hope the Hurricanes don't lose the outdoor game well obviously i'm hoping that uh wasn't there at one point it was almost always the home team that lost those so it's a little concerning but we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah we'll see and, it, it, and the outdoor game it's a one-time possibly a one-time event for a lot of hurricanes fans so I oh think yeah the experience will probably outweigh um whether the Hurricanes win that game or not. Because, I mean, it's an outdoor game. You know, you might not see another one for some time at Carter-Finley Stadium. Uh, so, um, another question. I know um, Sam and I, we've talked a lot about this, is uh, we know the trade deadline is coming up. Uh, what do you expect that this Hurricanes team would do? That... It's something that I, I, this year of all years, I really don't know. Uh, I, the only thing I can see them doing is maybe going for something to fill in a spot for Pacioretty. But that's about it, honestly. Yeah, uh, there, there's been a lot of names, and that's what's been hard of trying to pinpoint who the Hurricanes might go after because. I mean, you have Timo Meyer, uh, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Ryan O'Reilly. 
Uh, those names are out there. We know Tarasenko got traded and Bo Horvath got traded to divisional teams. Uh, so it's it's definitely going to be interesting. Do you think the Hurricanes um, might need some need to make a move uh, depth wise on the defense? Probably defense. I'm not so sure about. I mean, they overall it seems to be. I mean, it's not doesn't seem to be performing as necessarily well as the PK and that type of stuff isn't as. Uh, I don't want to say it's not as phenomenal. It's still phenomenal, but it's just a. It's not necessarily to the levels that it was the past few years. I still think that our that the bigger issue lies in uh, the having a true heavy goal scorer. Yes, definitely. And um, for this that heavy goal, goal score that you're talking about, um, I'm sure the need for that is mostly probably on uh, in the center spot than probably the wing. I know Pacioretty played the wing, but do you think we need probably someone who plays, he needs to play center? Uh Honestly, I'm once again. It's kind of a state where I'm not really sure because you know our our centers seem to be doing well. Uh, really, I think you could succeed doing something in either spot. Perhaps I would agree. a more, perhaps some uh, a uh, more veteran center, well-known center might be a good idea. Uh, <clears throat> but really I think with the with the group that you have you could really you really just need somebody that has that particular scoring touch which not saying we don't have players that have it but they still seem to be very much getting into that like you you see sparks of it in players like Aho and Svechnikov uh <clears throat> but they, there there seems to be there's just something missing there that could bump them over into the next level. Definitely. And again, that's why we're in a lot of trade speculation because uh, I, I think in the top six, you just need one more guy. And what do, you, what do you think? What do you think about the speculation for Patrick Kane? I'm, I'm not sure where I sit on that. So for Patrick Kane, uh, he, he carries a $10.5 million contract. And you know Chicago's probably going to have to retain some of that. Yep. So I don't mind getting him, but I I would not trade someone like a Seth Jarvis to get him. I'd, no. I'd trade, some, I, I'd trade either um, a pick or prospects. And when it comes to the pick, I don't know if I'd... I mean, would I be willing to trade a first-round pick for Patrick Kane? Maybe. But that's probably all that I would do. Based on his performance. So, I mean, that's just kind of my stance on the whole Patrick Kane thing. Um, It's definitely going to be interesting. Now, let's say we do get someone like a Kane who plays mainly on the wing. Um, do you see Natchez playing center, or do you see like maybe Paul Stastny and KK taking over that second line center spot? 
I, I doubt they'd really move Natchez around with how well he's been doing. Of course, I can't really speak for Rod. He he throws he throws moves stuff around and it tends to work out. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, I I will say that uh, so far, I feel like KK could use a little needs a little bit of a bump, so maybe a move maybe a move would be beneficial. Um. It's there. You see that. You see that. It's the possibility is there, but once again, it's just that there's just something missing. So maybe a move there could be useful. Uh, it's kind of hard to say when really, um, pretty much all the players on the team have been performing extremely well so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know with like. I probably would have KK as the second line center if we don't uh, get th- that um, second line center in a trade, because I think KK can keep up more than probably than Stasny on that line with Svech and Netches. Um, and if we do get top six center, uh, regardless, I mean, we're probably going to have to send someone down to the fourth line. Uh, do you think that'll probably be Jarvis that you send down? Or maybe Tara Vinan? Zaho's not going to be sent down to the fourth line. Nor Netris no. or Svetch. I doubt Jarvis would get sent down, although maybe it could revitalize him a little bit seeing that he's kind of hit a rough spot but again it, it's a case where team real the team really has four lines that are up just that do extremely well so moving anyone around anywhere i don't think is uh i think there's been a f- pros and cons to all of it which i mean that's a very blanket statement there's pros and cons to everything that you do but Yeah, definitely. Uh, because, I mean, having a fourth line with Jarvis, Nason, and maybe Stasny, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Fourth line. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's definitely going to be interesting uh, with the uh, trade deadline. Um, what do you think of the whole speculation around Timo Meyer? Because I'm sure you've heard a lot of speculation on that player. Uh, actually haven't really, uh, really been, been quite busy the past little bit. So I haven't been keeping as close an eye on things like the trade deadline and stuff like that. Uh, definitely think it could be a good acquisition. Yeah. Uh, so what's being reported is, uh, the hurricanes and devils are kind of in the mix of getting team of Meyer. You can put up like around thirty goals, but it's going to cost a lot. Um, yeah, that that's all. That's always the concern right now. Is just what is it going to cost, right? Exactly. And I, I've seen a lot of uh, proposals on something like that of uh, putting Seth Jarvis in a deal like that. Would you be willing to trade Seth Jarvis for a team of Meyer who's going to be an RFA? At the end of the season, so you might be able to extend him pretty long, 
And not to mention, Brent Burns played with him in San Jose, so that could um, definitely contribute to us maybe re-signing him for a very long-term contract. Hmm. Trading Jarvis, I, I don't, I don't know about that. It's it's one of those things where you know I like the player, and think that there might be some. There, there's there's good in keeping people around if you can. However, it it's one of those tricky ones where once again. It comes down to: Do you think that bringing the the person in will have a b- bigger payoff, and that trading the person away, it making making sure that you get what you traded away back and more, really, if you can. Definitely, and it, again, trying to figure out uh, the players that this Kings team might go after it, it's a little bit hard because we've seen in the past a few, a couple of trade deadlines ago. I mean, you get Vincent Trocheck, Brady Shea, and Sammy Vodnin. Now, Sammy Vodnin was a pure rental, obviously, but the Shea and the Trocheck trade, those were actual trades that we did not see coming. Mm-hmm. Are there any players that you could see traded to the Hurricanes based on the history that they can get? Trades from players out of nowhere. I mean, I feel like that comes down to uh, sure there might be, but I could probably name one on pretty much every team if given time. Uh, do I think it would happen? Probably not, but that's kind of the point of the question now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's that trade deadline's definitely going to be interesting. So uh, probably this is going to be my last question: is if you could narrow it down, what does it mean for you to be a Hurricanes fan? Because you've been a fan for a while, even though you haven't been to a lot of Hurricanes games, you're still um, a fan of the Hurricanes. What does it be to mean a Hurricanes fan? I mean, oh, do I give the do I give the simple answer or the long answer? Uh, we have time. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, it's just sticking through it and thick or thin. I mean, as as of as I've uh, I don't know if I mentioned it when I on the first time I was on the podcast, but the first game I ever went to that that uh uh first game I ever went to was against Tampa Bay Lightning. We lost three to nothing. Oof! And yet I st- and yet I still got into the sport, and here I am, still. Uh. So and and that was during that was like right in the middle of the time that the Hurricanes were. They had that spark of where every every season people you, people thought maybe they'll finally do it this year, but they always came up short. Uh, so you know it's it's really it's really just a matter of if if you're gonna be a true fan, 
you got to stick with it. You got to stick with it thick and thin. Don't be don't be jumping around. You know, it's okay, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be annoyed. Oh, definitely. But we don't understand certain we don't understand certain decisions because we don't do it, right? Like we get we get that outside view that that uh hindsight is 2020 vision of oh they should have made this move or how did they not see this move or whatever but it's a lot different being in the thick and thin of it right when it's happening than in our situation being able to stand on the outside and look into it with a lot more context and a lot more information exactly and i'm sure like right now like in the presence especially with the trade deadline coming up. I mean, these GMs, they they have more resources prob- probably than us on trying to find that player possibly of see how that can mesh in with Brindamore's system. Because you have like the analytics side to it, you have um mm. Brindamore's perspective on it. So I think GMs have more resources of uh, trying to get those players. So, yeah, definitely. Well, Holden, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to make it out to more games in the future, but, you know, living three hours away, it kind of puts a damper on that. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know, I mean, you live in the coast. Right? That is true. I live out on the coast of North Carolina. Yeah, that's 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 very cool though. Um but yeah, definitely thank you so much, Holden, for uh coming on. We really appreciate it. I'm happy to join anytime. Well that was a great interview with uh Holden. It's nice to have him back on yeah, uh, the he was show. our first guest, so it only seemed right that he come back, kinda talk about the game. Um his first game, like you heard him say. It's going to be the outdoor game this season. It's, you know, where he lives, it's harder, but it's awesome because we're all going to be able to hang out together and really enjoy, you know, all of us who have been Hurricanes fans for so long and, you know, get to go enjoy this game. Um, probably the biggest game. And, uh, and, um, in quite some time, I would yeah. say probably the biggest game since. The Stanley Cup Finals. I, I, my, I would argue that because I, I, I didn't mean you might want to ar- home game since Game Seven. Home game. We'll go home game because as much as the Boston Bruins Game Seven was big, we won there in you know New York. I mean, against not New York, but against Washington was was great. But I think this is really the biggest, at the very least, the biggest regular season game in franchise history with the biggest. You know, the biggest crowd in franchise history, the biggest moment that this team is really going to have. So you really got to enjoy listening to him kind of talk about that, what the team means to him. Great friend of ours, and he glad he gets to make his first game this season, the outdoor game. Yes, definitely. Um, It's just fun because he's a personal friend of ours. And for those of you who don't know, both me Sam and Holden, I mean, we go back all the way back to high school. Yeah. So it it's just nice having him on. And now here is our interview with uh Sam Driscoll with and Scott Burnside. Yes. Enjoy. All right, we'd like to welcome back on our one year anniversary podcast, Scott Burnside. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I didn't realize it was an anniversary podcast. Well, congratulations. That's a 
that's a mark of achievement for uh, for keeping it going for a year. Well, yes, sir. We appreciate it. And that's why we wanted we wanted to definitely make sure you were back on one of the people that really helped get us going as well. Good. Well, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm always happy to talk a little hockey. And this is, uh, you know, as you and I are chatting, we were chatting just before you started to record. This is a huge week for the franchise and, uh, you know, coming out of All-Star. I, I know there's a game uh, this evening later after you and I are chatting, but it seems like a long time since the Hurricanes have played. But it's been quite a, uh, you know, quite a, a season to this point. And this is a huge week for the organization. And, you know, it, I, I think it, uh, it, it it's, it's exciting to think about what lies ahead with the trade deadline coming up March 3rd. And then, you know, who knows what happens come mid-April with the playoffs. But the, the team has positioned itself pretty darn well, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're number one in the Metro. We're really the only team that's nipping at the heels of the Bruins, too, for overtaking them. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. You know, I don't know that it matters. And I think the Hurricanes have shown this. And, you know, I mean, you know, you learn a lesson along the way or two or three maybe. And and I think it's important. You know, I think it's important to have home ice advantage. You know, if you caught the the Bruins and ended up with uh, a President's Trophy win, uh, if you had home ice advantage all the way through the playoffs, I, you know, I think these things are, you know, they're it's logical to one, you know, to aspire to those kinds of goals at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. I don't think come playoff time. And the hurricane showed that last year, losing at home in game seven um, in the second round against the New York Rangers. So you, I mean, it doesn't, maybe it matters a little bit, but I think it's about level of play. And I think it's about, you know, where the team is at as opposed to necessarily those other things, but maybe they go hand in hand, but it, it certainly, you know, the, the hurricanes have closed the gap a little bit on, uh, on the Bruins. And, and, and I think more importantly, given how well, um, we know that the Rangers just acquired Vladimir, uh, Tarasenko. Uh, so, you know, it's important to stay ahead of those teams because I think in the first, maybe the home ice advantage becomes less important as the playoffs go along. I think it's important to open at home. And uh, so I think to me that's less important than catching the Bruins is if you're the Hurricanes is staying ahead of the Devils and the Rangers. That's my thinking. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I, I feel that this team will do that. Um, kind of speaking of staying ahead of them, the 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 trade deadline is just a little bit under a month away. Um, my my overall feeling has been the last couple of years is that Carolina hasn't done enough at the deadline and it's come back to bite them in the playoffs. Do you think this team will utilize that 10 million in cap space? You think they should utilize that 10 million in cap space? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll be shocked if uh, GM Don Waddell doesn't have at least one move and and maybe a couple up his sleeve between now and March 3rd. Um, and, and especially, you know, the Max Patch ready thing is so, you know, a, 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 on a human level, it's, it's, it's so, it's so really sad, right? I mean, there's a, a guy later in his career, he comes to Carolina, I think to address one of the shortcomings of this team in the playoffs last year in, in terms of critical goal scoring um, you know, tears an Achilles tendon working out before training camp comes back and plays a handful of games and tears the, the tendon again. So it's 
you know, and he, and listen, I'm not a doctor, but it does. It would be shocking, I think, if he returns at all at any point in this season. So, um, so that part of it's really it's it's sad for Max Pacioretty and the guys really loved him, and it's it's unfortunate what happened. But it it also a this team didn't basically hasn't had him in the lineup all year. So so it's a team that has had success without a critical part that they thought they were going to have. And, and there is no understating, you know, he, you, as you mentioned, they have 10 plus million dollars um, that will be available against the salary cap that would be available to them, uh, you know, at the March 3rd trade deadline. So, and I think it's fair to say you, there are a couple of no team is perfect. And, and I think the, the hurricanes would love to add some top six scoring, um, you know, there was a lot of discussion externally, I think, about, you know, would Bo Horvat be a fit uh, to fortify the center depth? And, of course, he ends up going to the New York Islanders. For, I thought it was a lot that the Islanders gave up, especially for a team that, you know, is, is, they aren't even a playoff team right now and may not be in the playoffs when it's all said and done. Uh, so, um, you know, and then Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, who's on an expiring contract, obviously a proven goal scorer, Stanley Cup winner in St. Louis, goes to the New York Rangers. Again, hefty price. Um, so so I, I, I do think, you know, I think there's a certain amount of pressure to uh, make an addition in that top six, whether it's as a winger or a center. Um, and Don Waddell and I have had this conversation in the past, and GMs will always say, we don't do, we don't make a move because someone else made a move, right? Don Waddell isn't going to add a player because Vladimir Tarasenko is now a New York Ranger. But I also think you have to be aware of what's going on around you. And, and it, you know, like Don Waddell always has a green light to make this team better. So uh, I, I am actually getting to the point. I, I do think that there will be moves made. You know, at some point, I think they would have loved to have shored up the back end, maybe a left-handed shot defenseman. Um, but it's the you know, the critical need, and now the ability to make a move, be, again, you know, with all this cap space is is right there. And so it's it's natural to think about players like Timo Meyer, who's a restricted free agent, just twenty six years old, but he's due a ten million dollar qualifying offer in the off season, and. You know, if you if you want to keep him, which I think would be the goal, um, how does he fit into your salary cap structure moving forward? So that's a whole thing. You know, Patrick Kane's going to the Hall of Fame on the expiring contract, ten point five million dollar cap hit. That's a lot. Um, and what do you give up for a player that I think I think he's thirty four? Um, you know, maybe doesn't fit long term for you. So you know, the, I think the Canes have been pretty. You know, their their uh, the way of doing business has been to not spend a lot of money and assets for pure rentals. You know, Max Domi comes really didn't cost them too much. He was a rental and left. Um, but if you're talking about having to, you know, move a top prospect in a first round pick, and certainly if you're talking about Timo Meyer, that's what you're starting with. Um, you know, is so is it? Do you look a little bit further down? you know, uh, down the ladder, if you will, or off the radar, is it Adam Enrique? Um, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's just back skating in St. Louis now. Pretty tough season for him, and his durability is an issue, and I think, you know, that would be an issue for the Hurricanes. You know, terrific playoff performer, Consumite Trophy winner. So there are lots of players still out there 
Um, but it does it, you know, the pressure is going to build with two elite players off already in Horvat and Vladimir Tarasenko. And so, but it makes it for exciting, right? I mean, the discussion and what happens, you know, in the in less than a month at March 3rd. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of um Tarasenko. I'd been saying for a while, I always felt like he would end up as a Carolina hurricane. I thought there was a really good fit there. I thought Rob would have been a really good coach for him. It's just, you know, it's disappointing, but um, it would make me more angry to that it went to the Rangers. Um, and well, like, I, have, yeah, I, have no. a, I have a nasty opinion of them given how our season ended last year. Yeah, it makes sense. And, but, it, you know, that's, and listen, the, and, and this, it wasn't a surprise, right? I mean, Chris Drury, the GM in New York, he was one of the very few GMs up until the Pacioretty uh, injury, really, um, that had the, that kind of latitude in terms of having some picks. He had an extra first round pick, um, having lots of cap space. They have lots of assets. Uh, they really didn't give up much in terms of the assets. You know, it's a first round pick. They sent Sammy Blaze back to St. Louis where the team loved him there. And he didn't, you know, he, he had injuries and didn't really fit for the Rangers. So I thought the Rangers did very well on the Tarasenko deal. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, he would have been, he would have been a great fit. I, I will have to say that I think given the way that Rod Brindamore coaches and given how this team is structured, um, you know, I mean, you always worry about fit. Um, but it's hard to imagine a player coming who is a hardworking, skilled player. And Tarasenko has a good, you know, his playoff numbers are excellent. Um, it, it's hard to imagine somebody not being a fit in Carolina. But that's, I mean, you want to make sure you're, and I know that this is the case. I know Don Waddell, he's not doing anything without the the full um, you know, input from Rod Brindamore and his coaching staff because they, they, you know, I think they've been simpatico on how to move this team forward and the culture and all those things since Rod Brindamore took over uh, in the, you know, in the offseason in 2018. So you know that there is a lot of dialogue going on about what players might fit and what role they might fulfill with the hurricane. So, you know, that that's an interesting part of this too, I think. Like who else? So let me ask you, I'm doing all the talking. <laughs> who do you, so Tarasenko's gone. What do you, what do you, you know, who do you see as being a nice fit? And, and, and you know, I, and again, knowing you got the cat space, you got assets. If you choose to move them, you have assets you could move. I've, I've been, I was, I mean, I, I like Jonathan Taves. I know that's not as I'm, I know Carolina needed a top six center. I think Taves can still play top six. He's doing good this year on a really bad Chicago team. Yeah. And I feel if they're looking for what kind of what Don Waddell and company's history has been, I felt like Timo Meyer was good because, you know, if they make that deal, it's not to rent. They will resign him for yes. sure. hundred yes. percent. They'll resign him. Yeah. And I feel like that makes sense for them too. I think with the cap going up by the time, you know, Aho and Tavo and, Pesci and Slavin there by the time they're all up, the cap will have gone up probably between on average, just combined about probably four to 5 million. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I think you could probably fit Timo Meyer in with whatever he's going to want. And an eight year deal to a 26 year old puts him at 34. You're going to get probably five to six really good years. One, maybe okay year. And then one we'll see kind of like Taze and Kane are. So I feel as if you get Timo Meyer, it that's the best choice for the team and where they are at the moment and what would make them 
you know, I mean, I think Timo Meyer is the best choice for any team out there right now. But I think Carolina's in this position that maybe New Jersey's not, Boston's not, and I've seen Toronto. Toronto's not. I really think the only two teams that could afford to pay the price without asking for retention is, is probably Carolina and Vegas. Yeah. It, it, Myers is interesting. Timo Meyer, not Myers, but Myers, Meyer is interesting because, you know, Don Waddell and, and, uh, and Mike Greer, the, the rookie GM in San Jose have already done a deal. You know, the, you know, the Brent Burns uh, deal came together as I understand it very quickly. And Brent Burns very quickly agreed to waive his uh, no move, no trade to come to Carolina. Um, you know, I don't know specifically, the relationship between Burns and Meyer, I assume it's a good one. Um, and, and I think, I think those things are, you know, maybe in the end of the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter one way or the other, but I think when you have a history and you're sort of comfortable, you know, GMs working out deals together and it's clear what, uh, Mike Greer is doing in San Jose, um, you know, maybe that, Maybe that helps. Maybe that's, you know, because as you point out, he is, I think, and I agree with you, I think he is the most interesting player on the trade landscape. And I think he was, I think he's been that way from the get go. So once, um, you know, he, it's, it seems inevitable, he'll inevitable. He's going somewhere and wherever he's going is it's going to be an, uh, you know, an impactful thing. And, you know, New Jersey's in an interesting spot because I think they have the assets to do it as well. Um, and they're a real good team. So, you know, do they don't have the experience that the hurricanes do. Um, so anyway, I think it's, it's fascinating. That's to, to me, the story of the trade let, deadline, um, narrative between now and march 3rd and and the hurricanes i have no doubt will be in the middle of it yeah and i think so too i think carolina also really needs to address i mean if you address your top six i think a center or you know scoring forward is where you should go so i say taze and meyer but i also feel the back end you know a, a bottom pairing defenseman or someone who can help maybe quarterback a power play i feel like i mean Adam Gold has kind of made comment on the. I, I like Tony D'Angelo coming back. I think the cap is good. It's, mm-hmm. it's how even for next season, then your defense is really shored up for the next this year and next. But there's there's a couple good defensemen. I've always been partial. I like Joel Edmondson. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe a player that could be available would be Tyler Myers from Vancouver. He's a big dude. He's going to be he'd be a good bottom pairing defenseman, shutdown guy. Yep. So, you know, play there, but the back end, I think, would be a cheaper fix because they're not looking for top four as much as they're looking for that six, seven guy who could come in and then shore it up. But I think their number one priority should be either a center or a top six goal scorer because that's what they lost in, in uh, Pacioretty. And it's not a big deal for this regular season. Carolina is a good regular season team. In the playoffs, everything seems to dry up. And then there's the concern right now. Svechnikov hadn't scored a goal. I would love for him to score one tonight against New York, <laughs> um, especially because we'll be at the game. But um, And that's a team that I feel like you need to – I think that's a moral victory to get one tonight for the organization. But, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do at the deadline. I know I will be happy if they do nothing, and I'll be concerned and confused if they do nothing. But yeah. – at the, I guess you can look at is they got 10 million to work with in the off season again. Yeah. I think they need to, I hate using the word keep pace with the rest of the division, but so far the two big names have come to the metropolitan division. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and I think that's a natural thing, right? I mean, you and I don't think you know the Don Waddell's history and the history of this team under uh, Tom Dundon is you know to go for it, right? And so I, I, I don't think there's you know I mean it's it is they have assets that lots of teams don't have. Now that doesn't mean you want to you know, spend those assets foolishly, because when you spend them foolishly, it, it, it invariably bites you. And whether it bites you in in this 23 playoff run or bites you moving forward, because this is a team that is not just built to take one run at a cup. This is a team that I've, we've seen it really since 2019. It's built to be a perennial cup contender. It's hard to do, but this team has achieved that at least in the, you know, in the time under Rob Brindamore. So, you know, I think that's the, you know, because you also are looking for, you know, you know, take a guy like Jacob Chitron, uh, you know, whose name has been out in the trade wins for like last two plus years coming yeah. out of Arizona, good cap hit, lots of high-end skill, had some injury issues. You know, the ask is enormous coming out of Arizona, but it, he's a player that fits moving forward, and he fits a lot of different teams. You know, you'll hear his name with Edmonton, and, you know, you know, is that the guy you need right now in Carolina? I, I'm with you. You know, to me, I think of this blue line, and, and uh, you know, I think Chatfield's been such a revelation there, and it's been so great to see him really you know emerge as a you know such a solid nhl defender right i mean he can he could play in lots of teams for you know top four i think um and and i think um you know you it's hard to win a stanley cup if you don't have seven or eight nhl worthy defensemen you just it's so hard because of injuries and fatigue and you know some you know some players you know, especially younger players or less experienced players, maybe they hit a wall. Maybe they need to, maybe the matchup isn't great. And so you need to align your blue line differently against a Boston than you do against the Devils or Ranger team. So, you know, I think the the back end will, you know, sure. The more depth you have back there, the better your chances of winning a Stanley Cup, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I think there's lots of work that will be done. Um, and I have no doubt that it will get done. And, and the great thing about Don Waddell is that, you know, I mean, there's, there may be someone that comes totally out of left field that you're like, wow, I, I did not know that that was, you know, you know, who knows? And again, I, you know, whether it's a player like the Brincat in Ottawa who has, you know, what, what, what's his future with the senators you know, has is it the fit they thought it was going to be when they acquired him from Chicago? I, I just think that there's lots of interesting things that could happen between now and March 3rd. And I do know that that Don Waddell is a guy who does have his finger on the pulse of what's going on around the league. That, that's And that's why this team is as good as they are right now. Yeah, and I mean, I think you can look at the Trotrek trade as a thing that just kind of came out of left field. I didn't, I didn't even know that at the time that that, a, that kind of a player was even something Florida was looking to move. Yeah. So that, that surprised me when I saw that we got Trocek. Um, you know, Dougie Hamilton, kind of same thing. I, 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 Carolina's made some moves that have surprised me in the past. I, I didn't, I knew, I had heard about Brent Burns, that that was a player that might move, but I had heard Carlson may have been a little bit more likely because I think they were going to give something back. 
But yeah, I mean, Carolina could definitely go out and shock shock us and go get a player that hasn't even been mentioned as someone that a team is looking to move. So I would like that. As like I said, I think Carolina's <laughs> need is top six. Um, I like Chase more than I like O'Reilly. I think yeah. more people are on the other side of. I've seen some people prefer O'Reilly over Taze because of age, but Taze is playing better this year um, on a worse team. So that kind of gives me more like, okay, I think you can. I've seen some comments say, you know, get Taze, he's a fourth line center. And I'm like, I don't know what Jonathan Taze you're watching this season. But, you know, but I think Carolina, even then, I think is in a position to at least get out of the first round of the playoffs in this moment. I think they are the best team in the Metropolitan. Um, I'm interested. The game tonight has more meaning to me to watch because now this is a New York Ranger team. It's probably not going to make any more monumental moves. Yeah. Now that they got Tarasenko, it'd be interesting to see what that matchup is tonight as you're getting Carolina who hasn't made anything yet. And the Rangers team is probably done for the, the, the trade. Down. I mean, they can make some more depth moves, but yeah. overall, this is probably the team you're going to play in the playoffs if you meet them again. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how Tarasenko's already scored a goal for the Rangers. So you know, we'll just see what what that game entails tonight. Yeah, for sure. yeah no, I I think it's you know I, I, it we're at that stage of the season now where you know these games are you know there, there's a little bit more juice to them, right? And I think that's a natural thing. And you know, and certainly there should still be some bad blood. You know, the Truba hit on Jarvis and. Um, well, they, this is, you know, these are, you know, the, the, the competition is, is interesting in the NHL. When you look at the top 10 teams, now I should have looked before, you know, before <laughs> I started talking about this, but the, listen, it, the Eastern Conference is top heavy, right? I mean, yeah. really, when you think of the best teams in the NHL right now, um, you know, Dallas is a really good team and they're well-built you know, right now, if you ask me who's the best team in, in the Western Conference, I would probably say Dallas, you know, Colorado, all kinds of injury issues, you know, never to be discounted. But but the East has a lot more. There are a lot of teams that you can legitimately point to and say that's a team that could win a Stanley Cup and Toronto and Tampa and uh, Boston, obviously, New Jersey, the Rangers, Carolina. Um, you know, and the battle for those wildcard spots is going to be incredible. You know, the president's trophy winning team from Florida last year is, is going to be life and death to, to make the playoffs at all. Same with the Islanders. And they made a big push in, in adding, you know, pro, you know, one of the top centers, if not the top center available on the market. Yeah. Um, Buffalo hang, you know, listen, Buffalo is so interesting because, you know, they got games in hand. They're playing as well as they played all season. And, you know, are they for real or not? But they're in the mix. Pittsburgh, you know, coming off a win in in uh, Anaheim. And, you know, Tristan Jari's needs to be healthy for them. But, you know, Penguins can't be discounted. Washington, who, of course, will be coming to Carter Finley on Saturday night for the outdoor game. You know, still without John Carlson, have had all kinds of injuries all year. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not convinced they make the playoffs. I, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced yeah. Washington. And if they do, I don't think they. I don't. I could see them four out. I, I don't yeah. think they have it in them anymore. Yeah. No. I. I. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I. I, I agree with you. You know. I mean, they lose the first round series against Florida that they had well in hand. They. They let that series against Florida in the first round get away from them last year. Caps are in a different. You know, in a unique spot. Not unlike Pittsburgh. 
you know, the, the older players and, you know, durability issues, you know, Carlson's been out for so long, this or he took the puck to the head and so has missed so much time. Nicholas Backstrom just coming back after hip surgery, you know, TJ Oshie's in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, so, so they're an interesting team, but they're also, you know, if, you know, right now they're, I think they're in the top wildcard spot. Uh, so they're a team that will be, you know, that you're going to have to reckon with if you're one of those other teams trying to get into the playoffs. I guess my point is the East is full of really, really good teams. And yeah, that's, you know, to get out of the Eastern conference, it's going to be, it is going to be a a significant challenge. It just, it is. And it's different than the Western conference, which I think is much more wide open in the sense that, you know, uh, you know, uh, Colorado may be a wild card team and could end up back in the final. You know, Vegas yeah. goaltending started to leak. Same in Seattle. A lot of a lot of moving parts out west, and and the teams aren't as good as they are in the East in general. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think I honestly think that the Eastern Conference Final at Carolina Boston would be significantly different than it was in 2019, and I think it'll be it'll probably be one of the nastiest Eastern conference finals you'd get in, in a long time is there's going to be some bad blood. I mean, Boston's one, two of the last three yeah. uh, Boston's going to want revenge from last year for sure. Like Carolina did. So, you know, we'll definitely see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to the playoffs. Um, yeah. I kind of want to talk about um, the outdoor game a little bit too. Um, what do you think that's gonna? What do you? What are your expectations for for the outdoor game? Yeah, no, I'm I I'm excited. It's been a while since I've been to an outdoor game, but I'm and I'm lucky. I, I was at the first Winter Classic in Buffalo, and for six or seven years, I, I was at a Winter Classic every year. Um, I did an outdoor game at Dodger Stadium. That was one of my one of my favorite outdoor games ever. Uh, and they, uh, I know that there's, you know, in general, you know, maybe there's outdoor game fatigue around the NHL, but I, I, I believe this to this day that in each of the markets that hosts an outdoor game, it is a, a, a memorable event. It's, it is in some ways a once in a lifetime event for those markets. You know, I think of Nashville hosting Tampa it was a year ago, right? um at titan stadium like that was so cool to watch and and again being at dodger stadium that was outstanding and i think for you know i i don't even think of it in terms of you know you know the outdoor game coming to carolina and somehow that reinforces that this you know that this franchise has you know has you know, is being recognized by the league. I, I already, I think that's already happened, right? This yeah. is one of the most successful franchises, certainly in recent, um, in recent history, in terms of the fan base engagement, in terms of what the team has accomplished. Yes, they haven't been back to a cup final and those kinds of things, but I don't think there's any doubt now that this is, this is a, this is an elite NHL franchise. And so I, but, but this outdoor event, is it's really important and it's a great chance for this organization to celebrate you know 25 years uh you know the history of the franchise and all those things it, it ties together so nicely yeah. and the fact that 
it is a very difficult ticket to get. It's going to be outstanding. I, I, I can't wait um, because it's it's important for this fan base to be able to celebrate these things. And I think it will be a wonderful event. And I think it's the kind of thing that will stick with people for years and years and years. I don't care who wins the game. I don't care. You know, none of that matters, really. People will remember this day for a long, long time, and they've earned it. So I think that's a good thing. All right, last question for you. Who wins the outdoor game? Do you have a score prediction for us? Hmm. I'm not, I do, you know, I do this uh, newsletter, Burnside on Hockey, and every week I highlight games of the week, and invariably I I stink at it. Um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I say the Hurricanes win four three let's say I, I might even go to a shootout i will say that and i will say i i one of my favorite games the dodger stadium game ducks kings unbelievable game what maybe the best winter classic i attended was chicago washington at nationals park which the caps won late Whoa. It was great. It was a really fun game, really. So the Caps know what's going on. I say Canes win at 4-3. We'll call it in a shootout. How about that? What do you? What's your prediction? <laughs> I, I I would like to it for my own sanity for it to not go into for time. <laughs> and my my co host over here just threw his head on the table when you said <laughs> it's going to stress him out more than it would stress me out. Um, I, I think Carolina wins it four to two. Okay, four to two. Um, we plan to be there. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to be tailgating and we've invited, we'll invite you. You want to stop by, say hi. I I appreciate that. I'll, I'll be working, but, uh, I do appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, no, I'll, uh, I look forward to making my way around the tailgating. I, again, I think it will be, you know, a really memorable day and it's, uh, you know, it's, I know people will be worried about the weather to me. It's, it's as long as you avoid you know, heavy rain, then it should, it should all be good. Temperature really doesn't matter playing in the evening, which is the perfect time for this game. I think Uh, I, I, it's going to be outstanding. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope it's take lots of pictures. You'll remember this when you're an old, old man like me. So, (laughs) well, we're looking forward to it. We're excited. And again, we thank you as always for stopping on. Yeah. Anytime. Well, that was really fun. You know, whenever Scott comes on, him and I could talk probably for a good hour. So it's always so enjoyable um, just to have conversations with him and uh, and just get a real grasp of kind of the 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 really the pulse on the league because his knowledge is so is so vast. He knows so much about what the league is kind of feeling. You heard us talk about the trade deadline, the outdoor game. He'll be there. Um, it's going to be really fun. I'm super he- excited. Yes, definitely. Uh, Scott Burnside, he he's just you 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 can tell um, just how he talks, the passion he has for the not just the NHL but just for the sport itself. Yeah, he has great knowledge of all thirty two teams. Oh, absolutely. Like you say something about like maybe Anaheim, he could throw something out at you because he is so knowledgeable, and it's so great to have him back on. Oh yeah. Pod, it's always yeah. fun talking to him. Always fun. I've I've always enjoyed every interview we've had. It's one of the one of the nicest people you'll ever meet too. So looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll get to say hi at the um the All Star game. Yeah. Not the All Star game, the outdoor game. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah, the outdoor <laughs> game. Yes. Yeah, so uh 
that was great to have him on again. And here is my interview with uh, returning guests and my dad and Hunter. All right, so we have my dad, Greg, on. He was on a previous episode, just like Hunter here. Uh, he was on episode 18, titled What's Going Down in Chicago. And Hunter, he was on episode 11, labeled Oh Captain, My Captain, the Stall Edition. Um, Hunter, how do you feel about being on the show before my dad does? Oh, yeah, you know, hey, what does that mean for you, though? I mean, how does that make you feel? Knowing that you had your friend on before your dad, how does it make your dad feel? Well, I was wondering about that. I, I, um, I, I, that that was new to me to know that Hunter was on before I was. But I guess you know he's your roommate. You know, I'm okay with that. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. So, uh, just um, I'm gonna go back to the start of the season for the Hurricane. So, what were your expectations for this team? Either of you, which one of you? Well, first start? of all, I want to say congratulations to you all on your year anniversary. I have been very uh, uh, pleased to see the development of your podcast and the the high quality that it's become. And I and I just wish you the best uh, in the next year uh, as you move forward. My expectation for the Hurricanes this year was. Of course, that they get in the playoffs, but this year I really wanted them to make a serious run for the cup. And so far, it looks like that's what they're doing. I think we're still one player away, maybe a second line center from really being a strong cup contender. But uh, everything's looking good right now. Definitely. Hunter? Yeah. Um, Coming into the season, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, after last year, you know, losing New York uh, this year, high expectations from everybody. But for me, not that it's this year alone, but like, you know, next couple of years, it's kind of like Stanley Chip, uh, Stanley Cup or bust kind of a, you know, because our players are going to get older. We got a good young core now, but, you know, how long can that last? You know, very true. Uh, you, you really do wonder how long that could last, especially if they don't make. Um, or win the Stanley Cup this year. So, um, yeah, we I bet we all kind of had high ex- expectations. Um, now, right now, we are 51 games, I believe around 50 games into the season. Have there been any surprises to you guys on this team that you would not have seen? Uh, I mean, I guess one, not really a surprise, but glad to see he was able to Live up to the contract we gave him with Natchez this this off year, off season. You know, gave him a pretty decent deal. Um, you know, a lot of questions last year. It was kind of a down year, but seeing him bounce back this year has definitely been good. Yes, that's definitely been a very big surprise. You, Dad, if it would be anything, it would be um, the fact that we are having players score who don't usually score points. And there are other players who usually score points that haven't been quite as prolific this year. And I think that uh, just a couple of examples, uh, Hunter, you mentioned uh, Martin Nietzsche. Um, I'm so glad, like you are, see that he got his game going uh, this year as opposed to his his offseason last season. But uh, um, Ajo, for, for the most part, the first half of the season – 
he was was somewhat invisible. I mean, he was picking up goals, but a lot of them were against uh, easier teams. But I'll tell you what, he has really come on in the last uh, month or so and um, elevated his game uh, to where you would normally expect it to be. Um, I I hate to have to say this, but uh, but Martin Nook, who I have not been a great fan of in the past, <laughs> um, he's having a great season, and that stall line with Martin Nook and and Jesper Faust has just been phenomenal for us. So I'm happy to see Brent Burns. He's one of my favorite players on the team now. But uh, if I was counting the other day to see how far down in our our lineup, we had players that had 20 or more points, and I, and we had some 20 players like that, and I think that's far more than most teams. Yes, definitely. Uh, that's a very great answer. Um, I, I know to me, to me, what's been a very surprise, uh, especially with Jacob Slavin being out, is Jalen Chaffield. Uh, he's been playing amazing. He's been playing superb. And honestly, I never saw that coming. Never did. I knew he was already a very good skater, probably one of the best skaters on the team, to be honest. But I didn't think um, he would have such a role as he is now. And I'm really happy for Chatfield because it hasn't worked out for him since this season. Yeah, going into this season, going into this season, he was really a a marginal NHL player. I mean, we we really didn't know whether he was going to start or it might be someone else. But uh, I agree, he has just come on phenomenally this season. Definitely, there's huge resilience in this game, which I just really like. And um, another question for you guys, uh, also looking back on the season. Um, what has been probably one of the most memorable games for you guys? Hunter, I know you probably it's probably a bit of a hard question for you, but but um, what w- w- what are some games that stuck out to you? The oh, most? I mean, so not that I I don't get to go to every game like Sam and Sam, but um, I keep up with them, and it it was all it's always enjoyable to see them like the past couple. What, against Anaheim and uh, who was the other one? They came back. Oh, so it was the San Jose game yeah. they came back from. And the there was another game. Yeah, San Jose. That's right. Well, hold up. Maybe it was another one of those West Coast teams, I think, earlier in our oh, first. In our first that's well, right. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it was the Kings. So, yeah, I got yeah. a couple of California. But, yeah. yeah, so that was always good to see the comeback wins. I know. I gave you guys a hard time when you were texting me about, you know, the game and stuff. But that's just – I love doing that because I know it's just poking fun at you guys. Oh, I know. But, um, but yeah, Dad, uh, you've watched almost all the games. So, I'm sure there is probably a, some games that stuck out to you the most. So, what were those type of games? Well, most recently, it's been the win over Boston. I mean, I love beating Boston. They are so much fun to beat, and uh, um, I I look forward to a possible um, uh, series in the playoffs with Boston. I think uh, we play them, you know, seven games or six games in a row. We're gonna we're gonna win that series. Yeah, definitely. That would be a very fun series. Uh, probably one of my favorite games. Uh, what Boston's definitely up there. 
But that, I mean, Hunter, I'm going to go along with you a little bit, but that comeback win against L.A. was just amazing. Being down 4-1, to one, um, going into the third, that second period was just trash. I actually thought the first period was decent. And who predicted that? LA. That was you. That was you that predicted that, actually. I was texting you during the game telling you that, that we're going to come back. Don't give up hope. We're going to come back, and we're going to win 5-4. to four. I know. The Hurricanes always like to win win or lose in dramatic fashion. I have learned that sometimes from this Canes team. Part of the reason why we call them the Cardiac Canes. So um, I also liked I also have have liked the the games where we've won the shootouts. To me, I, I think shootouts are so much fun. I saw something in the Athletic uh, today where they were polling some of the players at the All Star game, and I think they voted twelve to four not to do shootouts, uh, but rather just extend the the overtime to ten minutes. But I like sh- they're so much fun. Shootouts are so much, especially when you win them. Yes, especially when you win them. I know early on before because especially during the dark ages, it's like as I like to call um on that ten yard um or t- sorry, the ten w- seasons of not making the playoffs, we did not like shootouts at all. Because Cam it's Ward was we lost good every one of them <laughs> in the shootouts, and we almost lost every one of them. And I mean, from a player standpoint, I kind of understand them wanting to get rid of the shootout because it's um, nothing compared to the actual game, which is five on five. And I love the overtime too. It's intense because over time, one mistake leads probably leads to a goal. So, um, another question that I do have for you guys is, uh, what do you think by trade deadline day, we, what we will do? Cause I know there are a lot of rumors out there. Uh, Meyer, I know is still out there. Horvat got traded to the Islanders. Looks like Taze and Kane, they want to stay in Chicago. So things start getting a little interesting on what the Canes might do because they actually have cap space to pull something off. It's hard to, you know, kind of answer that question because it's how much do they want to, you know, give for a player that can help them win now versus giving up, you know, stuff for the future. So picks, prospects, that kind of stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who they do decide to try to go get. Um, I'm, you know, kind of in the past couple of years, they kind of set content at trade deadline. So I'm hoping that this year with the position that they're in, that they're able to um, sort of make a, you know, judgment call and go ahead and pull the trigger on somebody. You know, especially, you know, I feel like it would probably be different talk right now if Patch didn't get hurt in the second time. So, I, I mean, but they got to do something, I think. So. Yeah, I, I agree with Hunter. I, I think that had Patch Reddy not gotten hurt, we'd be looking at a whole different situation because what we need is another goal scorer. And um, I think that uh, there are some who are out there. Timo Meyer is, is look looks really good. My favorite, frankly, is Dylan Larkin from Detroit. Now I know he wants a lot of money to resign somewhere, and, that, and that's going to have to be obviously addressed. But he would fit so nicely in that uh, second line center position. I think uh, Kokaniemi has been okay this year, but he's just not there yet. 
and I think he does better uh, on the fourth line when there's not so much pressure on him. Uh, I think Dylan Larkin would be uh, he fact in fact has a has a better history of goal scoring a point scoring than than uh, even Bo Horvat did, and I was I was very interested in Horvat until the Islanders scooped him up. But if we could get somebody like Dylan Larkin in that second line center position, I think we'd be good to go. Our goaltending is strong right now. Uh, we get Slavin back. Our defense is going to be very strong. And what we need is just one more goal scorer, in my view. So same here. And I know not everybody agrees with the stance on the goaltending, but I think the biggest thing is for goaltending to be healthy for the team because we know – we all know Anderson and Ronta can get hurt. So I think as long as they stay healthy, I think we're pretty much good in terms of goaltending. And a follow-up question. Well, in in that way, I do think that, that um, you know, this year we're – I know Piotr Kachekov came in in the playoffs last year and I think did a decent job, but he's had so much more experience this year. And some who would argue that he's even better than Ronta, although I think that that Ronta has the the experience, the seasoning, that kind of thing. And I think he does command uh, a good respect from the players when when he's out there. But yeah, our goaltending is much stronger than it was, I think, than when we went into the uh, when we would go into the playoffs uh, last year. Yes, definitely. And um, a follow-up question I do have, though, because we've seen them both play the two-line center role, Stastny and KK. Who do you think, without making a splash, fits better in that role? We've seen both of them. I I think KK has, keeps up better with the likes of Svech and Netches. To me, the question is not so much – which one of them can score more points himself, but which one of them makes Neches and Svetch better? And at this point, I would have to say that because of Stassi's experience, I think he does tend to make Neches and Svechkov better. Uh, but I do think KK has got a lot of um, potential there. Stassi's on the downside of his career. And I think the the big question is, do you just put KK there and just let him develop in that in that place? Because I think he is going to be to be a good one. I saw um, I don't know whether I'm supposed to refer to some other, but I saw the hockey guys redrafting of the 2017 draft, uh, 2018, 2018 draft. That's right. I'm sorry. And and of course that was where KK was taken third right behind Svechnikov. He had bumped him down a little bit to, I think, uh, 11th or 12th. But I still think he's got he's got great potential. We're just not seeing it yet. Definitely. Hunter, uh, what's your view on Stasny and KK? Your dad took the exact words out of my mouth. Like, you know, it, it helps Stasny, the fact that he's been in the league as long as he has. Um, like you said, it, his experience will help get the other guys better shooting, better shots, opportunities, better point scoring. So, um, but if you're going to go with KK in the future, I think you just go ahead and put him in the line now. Go ahead and get those growing pains out the way. Yeah, those are both very good arguments for both players. And um, even though I didn't see much of the Buffalo game, um, from what I've heard is that KK really played well to, in that game. He, I, I saw that amazing pass he made to Burns 
to score against Buffalo. That was a beautiful, beautiful pass. You know, sometimes I wonder <laughs> whether whether you know they ought to try Derek Stepon out there as that second line center. I, I I've always kind of liked Stepon there, and and uh, he's he's uh, he's turning it he, on a little bit. Yes, he has, and and you know he's he's slower than than both KK and Stastny, and I think that would be the main drawback there. But he's a real smart player. Yes, he definitely is. Uh, so pretty much this is going to be my last question uh, for both of you guys. Um, if you could narrow it down to one th- thing uh, that makes you a Hurricanes fan, what would it be? Because we all love the Hurricanes here. That's Hunter? A very loaded question. Um, man, there's it's, it's hard to, to, to say you know, just one thing. Because there's so many things, you know, the the fans, obviously the environment that they play in, the players loving the community back, you know, that's pretty big too. Um, but I guess the number one reason, I love winning. And so recently, you know, not that I'm a bandwagon fan, you know. I've I always, didn't say you were. I know. <laughs> hey, I'm, you're not the ones I'm worried about, you know. There's others that probably think that. Um, but, you know, I'm – just as about the same age as you guys. So, you know, growing up, seeing them win in, it was two, in 2006, that was big. Um, then, as you just referred to, not to the dark ages, um, it was hard to follow through then. And it's gotten easier now ever since. Um, I remember my first real game when I got back into it was game seven against Washington. One of my roommates at school was a, a Capitals fan. And so. We oh, were, really? Yeah, That's cool. Yeah, we were sitting there watching, and he just he goes upstairs and says, I don't say anything else. That's all he said. And so I just had a big smile on my face, and ever since then, I've gotten back into it. So that, that That's actually really interesting about the uh, ca- your Capitals roommates, yeah. because I think uh, Sam Driscoll, he had somewhat of a similar uh, situation when um, Hurricanes won Game 7. I know where I was at. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> and I was so happy when they, when it was Brock McGinn that scored that overtime game game winning goal. Uh, Dad, well, I think there's a. Uh, I want to, I guess, answer the question at, at sort of two levels. One would be just from the team level, and that is, I'll give you two names: Rod Rendemore and Justin Williams. Those two guys have done more in my mind to make the Hurricanes uh, really enjoyable to watch. And I guess you'd really have to throw Tom Dundon in there as well because he's sort of the unsung hero on this team. Uh, and when he he took control of it uh, as the owner and really made some, some great changes. But as far as just the hockey goes, I, I love – Love watching Brenda Moore. Love everything that Justin Williams contributed. But the other level that I would say is that what makes me a Canes fan is the ability to share that with my son, with with you, Sam. And I I don't want to get all you know uh, weepy and and sentimental here, but <laughs> but but I but you know this is something that I believe that lots of fathers and sons and fathers and daughters, mothers and sons, these kinds of things, because there's a wide range of that across the uh, the hurricane fan base. But I do think the enjoyment. I mean, if you look at if you look at the crowd uh, there on any given night. Uh, you're going to see families there together. 
And, and I think this is something uh, that our, our being fans of the Hurricanes is something that you and I have shared ever since we started going to games back in 2006. And uh, it's just been a, it's been a great dimension of my life to, uh, to share that with you. Awesome. Well, I think that is a great uh, moment to end off of Hunter, Dad, Thank you guys both for uh, being guests on our one-year anniversary episode. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, Sam. No problem. Well, that was so nice to have my dad and Hunter on our other roommates. I love it when your dad comes on because I agree with almost everything he says, <laughs> which is always awesome. I mean, you know how he feels. And again, this is, this was something that kind of was recorded again before Tarasenko. You, you'll hear a lot because of how we had to throw this together, of the desire for him. It was a player we really liked. And um, so just understand, again, the timing of the recording. Tarasenko is mentioned. Just no, that was before he was traded to one of the worst franchises in the National Hockey League. <clears throat> not not salty at all because we lost to them last night. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, I agree with your dad. He loves Timo Meyer too, right? I mean, he talked about it, and I think you know. I think your dad's got a. I mean, I, I agree with him. I mean, you know, listening to his take on that, I'm, I'm agreement. I think Timo Meyer is a must grab for this franchise. Um, and I loved having them both on, really just kind of talk about what the team means to them. You know, Hunter understands sports very well. He's very knowledgeable in that regard. Um, and he he follows the Canes, too. Might, yeah. might not as much as us, but he's still considered a Canes fan. Absolutely. And that's the most important thing. And, you know, the funny thing is with him, I'm a Duke fan. He's a Carolina fan. You're a Carolina I'm fan. I'm a Carolina fan, too. And we know state fans. Holden, I think, is a state fan. You know, it's just that whole thing that the Hurricanes – bring everyone together and that's what the thing is in the triangle the hurricanes bring the state fans duke fans carolina fans wake forest fans whatever right they bring them all together because that's our team that is the team that brings this these rivalries under the same roof exactly all right and now we're gonna have my interview with probably the person who really pushed us to the forefront and what gave us a really good kickstart into this podcast and what we're very much so indebted to. Um, Adam Gold joined us for the one year. You'll really enjoy our com- my conversation with him. All right. We'd like to welcome back to the show the host of the Adam Gold Show, the Kane's Corner podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, you really should, the 25th anniversary podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> it's... uh. It's nice to have a little downtime. Oh, I can imagine it's probably been not too bad with the All Star break and a couple of sports because I think the NFL had their their more or less All Star break this weekend too. Um, well, first off, we just want to thank you for coming on for our first year anniversary. Um, you were one of the your first anniversary. Yeah, our first year doing it. So official first year. What is the first anniversary gift? Is it's like it's like it's wood or something like that? I think it's good. <laughs> I'm honestly not even sure, but given you were one of the people who really helped kind of propel the podcast up, we we wanted to thank you and, and have you back on to the chat. No, oh, pleasure. So I kind of wanted to talk to you a little about um, the trade deadline, since that's the next big thing that's kind of on the horizon. Um, in my opinion, you know, one of the definitions of insanity is you do the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. 
Well, I would say if they do it for a third year in a row, doing absolutely nothing again at the deadline, you have to have, you have quite, I would have serious questions. I want your thought. Do you think that it would be the mistake to do something? Do you think they need to do something? What is your anticipation or hopes for the for the trade deadline? I'll, I'll put it this way. They signed Max Pacioretty in the offseason or traded for him for a reason. So we'll start from that point. Came back. You lost him again now for good. Even with Max Pacioretty, I felt that it wasn't like they were a player short. They were to me, they were a center short. So that hasn't changed. I still think they're a center short. But now you went out and got Max Patchy ready. Didn't give up anything for him. He was a gift. But you got him for a reason. So they need, if you're not going to replace Max Patchy ready, you still have to address the other problem, which is you need a number two center. Yes, Barry Kokaniemi may one time turn out to be a number two center. And I will say that I think he has played really well the last month. But if you count on him to be number two center quality in March, April, May, that's not going to happen. So they're a center short. And look, in my opinion, Vincent Trocek was sort of a hybrid two, three center. I never looked at him as a number two center, although he was certainly a productive player. Um, but they, they have to me, they have to address that. Um, and if they don't address that, if they leave the center position as it was, they still need to replace scoring because when we get to the postseason, we saw what has happened to this team over the last three years, power play went dry, scoring went dry, and ultimately uh, they fell out of the playoffs. I'm not even sure that it was around early. They probably should have beaten the Rangers last year. Uh, any objective look at that series said that the Hurricanes were the better team. Yeah. But they didn't win, and they, they probably should have won game four in New York. They were the better team in game four but didn't win it uh, just like they were probably the better team in game three in Boston uh, of that series until the shorthanded goal kind of flipped it a little bit, but the hurricanes ultimately fell short in the scoring column, which is again, how they decide who wins. And so they have, I think they have to address it. I, but I've, I thought going even before the patchy ready, the patchy ready injury, they needed two things. They needed a number two center and a third pair left defenseman who could, in my opinion, play in front of Calvin DeHaan. So DeHaan becomes your seventh defenseman, not your sixth, ultimately. Um, but we'll see if they're willing to part with what is necessary, because I think this team is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. Remains to be seen whether or not they do. And if they don't, then they won't do it. Is there uh, a player or uh, someone that you're kind of like, oh, I think that's a good fit, or maybe you've heard like, oh no, you know that people think so, but not not a good fit. I'll tell you who I don't want more than uh, more than who I do want. Uh, I don't want either of the players for from the Chicago Blackhawks. 
Really? Sorry, I don't want Patrick Kane. I don't want Jonathan Taves. I don't think Taves solves your problem at all. Uh, and I know Kane is a flashy scorer and all that, and he's a dynamite player and a future Hall of Famer. And I'm sure he's got some left. But the Hurricanes don't need essentially more of the same. And it's a team that could use size up front. They could use some bulk in the top six. Right now, I mean, they've got Andre and Natchez. Natchez doesn't necessarily play a heavy game. Um, Kokaniemi to a little bit of an extent, but I'd really rather displace him as a second-line center. But if they're not, Svechnikov's a power game, right? I get that. But right now, Ajo, Teravainen, and Jarvis, I just I worry that they're going to get pushed around by a bigger team. Maybe not pushed around, but just kind of lost and neutralized by a bigger team. We see that when that line is dominant, how good they can be. Yeah. When they're the, when they're the most like I just go back to the Boston game, especially at home, you had Aho going up against Krejci's line and they dominated the game. Yeah. I mean, believe it or not, Aho Jarvis Teravainen was way better than Krejci, Pasternak, Pavel Zaka. On that line, they would. I mean, they just David Pasternak was invisible in the game. Yeah. Uh, Krejci, on uh, other than you know, some moments where he looked dangerous on the power play, and actually, Boston really didn't look dangerous on the power play, but Krejci was invisible in the game because Ajo Teravine and Jarvis dominated the uh, their matchup. Um, but long answer is, yeah, they still need a forward. And they still need a left defenseman, I think. I know uh, one of the things I've I've been saying probably for over a year is one of my favorite available players, or rumored to be available players, Tarasenko. I feel like he kind of gives you that scoring touch you right. need. I've seen that he's I've seen some reporting that he wants to play it for Rod Brennan. I mean, I don't know if there is a player who really doesn't want to. Maybe Eric Halla, who doesn't want to play for, uh, for Rod Definitely Brennan. not Eric Halla. Um, but I've liked Tarasenko. Do you think that's a piece that that would fit well if that was a move they chose to make? I think Tarasenko would fit very well here. I think Ryan O'Reilly might fit very well over here, although there's some dis- debate whether or not O'Reilly is done. Um, don't know, but I think those guys could get uh, re-energized by a move to a team that has a legitimate chance to win a Stanley Cup. So you might be able to get an adrenaline rush for four months out of a Ryan O'Reilly. Um, yeah, Tarasenko would fit great. Um, my friend Corey Lavalette, who I know you guys know from North State Journal and The Athletic, wrote a really good piece about the Hurricanes' history as, as an organization about not doing rentals, and they don't. They yep. don't. I mean, Ty Domi was – or not Ty, Ty Domi. <laughs> God. Max Domi was the rental last year, and you see what – you know, what they're willing to do for a rental. It's not much. Um, Ultimately, though, I don't think there are going to be as many buyers in this market. There aren't very many teams with cap room. So if you don't have the cap space, it's kind of hard to be a buyer. The Hurricanes right now don't need another organization's help to fill at least one role. They might be able to fill two without needing anybody else's help especially if Andre Kasha stays on the injured list for the balance of the regular season. And who knows, you might be able to bring Kasha in sometime after the playoffs start 
uh, and just throw him on the roster. Although I don't even know where Andre Kasha fits, to be perfectly honest. I don't. Uh, I didn't know before, and I don't know now. So um, I just don't see a great fit for him, unless we're talking about a replacement for Derek Stepan in the playoffs, because maybe Kasha's a quicker player, a better skater. I don't know. Stepan has just been – he hadn't had a great year for Carolina. It wasn't like last year, but uh, there's there's a value to having Stepan who can win a bunch of faceoffs in your yeah. lineup, plus a right from the right side. Um, Tarasenko would fit well. Um, heck, if they could figure out a way to do Timo Meyer, I think Meyer would fit well. Uh, it doesn't address your problem at center, but it gives you a more physical uh, score between the face-off circles type of a player that, and he's obviously scoring a bunch of goals this year, that could, uh, that could you know, stick in your lineup and going, you know, long-term going forward, because I don't think the Hurricanes would make a deal for Timo Meyer without knowing that they could extend him his qualifying offer is 10 million it'll never get to that the hurricanes will either add him and extend him immediately much like bo horvat just did with the islanders um and it might be around that number too but if they can't come to terms on a number with timo meyer they won't even trade for him um so i wouldn't mind that uh but the uh tarasenko would be great i mean in terms of somebody you can plug into probably a top line yeah. And and score some goals. I completely agree. Um this I'm just hoping this year they've they may have learned a lesson that may not have been quite gathered the last couple of years. Hawk and Paw wasn't Can I can I just let me just address that real quick. Here's my understanding about what the Hurricanes as a front office thought of the last two years. They didn't believe they were ready to win a Stanley Cup. Hmm. So they didn't see the point in adding um, at the deadline, which is why two years ago during the weird season, they essentially swapped deck chairs. They sent Hayden Flurry out and brought Yanni Hockenpah in, whereas adding depth on the blue line would have been smart. So you didn't have to expose Jake Bean to double overtime where he had to play, which happened twice against Nashville. And Jake Bean was no, really not that good. Um, so that was th- that year. Last year, I mean, my understanding was they still didn't look at them themselves in spite of their season winning the Metropolitan Division. They still didn't look at themselves like a... Uh, a, a bona fide Stanley Cup contender, which I mean, I can't fathom, but they refused to do anything. You know, not that you had to be in on Claude Giroux, uh, but there were other things maybe they could have done, at least to add depth on the blue line, to uh, add somebody with some physicality. I mean, Max Domi. I mean, we got game seven against Boston out of him, but the Hurricanes probably win that game without Max Domi. But it is what it is. Um, so not trying to give him a pass because I don't give him a pass. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, you're this, this might be their moment. It might not even be next year. This might be their moment. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I, I could, I might be able to give them a pass for the Hawk and Paw year, but last year, I just, I just felt like that team was just a, like a, maybe a piece short of being yeah. able to 
I thought so. And I think that's kind of where we are now. We're just maybe a piece or two short. And they have the cap space to not only address the center, they have the cap space to get that that back-end defenseman. I mean, the fact is that Chicago, even if they were to go with Chicago, if they retain half of both, they could fit both Kane and Taves. Don't think that happens, but yeah. but that's just where they're at right now. They're in a position where they have $10 million to use, and they should at least use some of it to... to no, they should use all of it. It's not that they should use some of it. Whatever space is available, they should use it and be willing to go beyond it to include another team in it to launder the contract through a third team. If it like if I were them, I would be interested in even if they're rentals, I would be interested in telling this team that we believe you can win a Stanley Cup but and we're going to get you some help to do it. I, I, I said, you, you, I think you guys remembered me saying this in the offseason. The biggest improvement that Carolina is going to realize this year will come from within, not from outside the organization. Uh, that was hoping that it would be Martin Natchez, hoping that it would be Andrei Svechnikov, hoping that it would be Sebastian Ajo. Um, and some of those things have been absolutely nature's has been an absolutely Aho looks like he is starting to become an absolutely, um, we still haven't really gotten anything out of Terra or Jarvis. Uh, and Svechnikov looks a lot like the Andre Svechnikov of last year to be, uh, to me, which is he, I mean, he has not scored a goal in 2023. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's problematic to me, but. Um, I think he's played much better the last few weeks, but he needs also to produce. But I mean, I'm not that worried about him yet, but I'm not all that far away from being worried about him. But I don't think that that group is Stanley Cup title good. But with a an addition or two, Blue Line is dynamite. Jalen yeah. Chatfield has been an absolute... I mean, I can't even, I can't even describe how good he has been and how, how much deeper he makes the blue line. Oh yeah. I mean, to me, they have a top five, not even a top four, they have a top five because Chatfield has proven he can play big minutes against top competition, proven it all year. Even when he was playing with Calvin DeHaan on the third pair, look at his plus, he's like a plus 15. Mm -hmm. Get out of here. How can you be a plus 15 playing on a third pair when you've only produced five goals? How is that even possible? But they don't give up anything. And Rod Brindamore told me not that long ago, I can't recall a bad game. Yeah. Neither can I. I, and I agree. I I've heard, heard you kind of say it and I agree. I think Tony D'Angelo makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The player that knows that the player you really don't even have to, bring up to speed on the system that much, you no. know, and if you want to talk seamless transition, that's him. Yeah. Tony would be good. He'd also, uh, I think would immediately become a uh, power play quarterback. Number one, you'd have Brent Burns quarterbacking the second unit. I actually don't dislike Brady Shea on the second unit, but Shea plays so many high level minutes. He's not as shifty. Uh, and quick laterally on the blue line for me. I think w- what we see is that Burns isn't either. Yeah. 
D'Angelo was just perfect to run the power play. Yeah. Um, they just, I mean, it would be great to get him back, but uh, I don't, the, the second year at 5 million, like I think Carolina could cover it next year without any problem, assuming that Pyotr Kachetkov is their number one goalie and they're going to go spend $2 million on a backup goalie. Um, you can even spend more on a backup goalie than that with Kachekov making 2 million. Yeah. Uh, and Kachekov might be a tandem to be perfectly honest. He might be a tandem goalie in the future, but, uh, he's certainly at 2 million. It gives you some, some flexibility, uh, and Chatfield at his number and Jarvis at his number next year gives you some flexibility, but, uh, I'd love to see them, uh, add to the power play on the blue line. Uh, and D'Angelo would be great, but I don't, I don't anticipate that happening. So I don't either, but I guess you can always hope and dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the last question for you, given it's the 25th year for the hurricanes, is there, uh, what, what's the team meant to you at all as a fan, not necessarily as someone who covers it, but as a fan. Um, that is, that's an interesting, I hadn't thought about it from a fan's perspective personally right i i am a fan and i make no bones about that um before it became part of my job i became a fan uh and uh, there are personal relationships you know with eric cole and kevin adams and brett hedekin and rod brindamore to be honest um so that kind of it just it it becomes a personal thing for me and even beyond being a fan, because you know how, like, I know how much Rod wants this. Yeah. I know how it, how it makes him feel. I know the pride that he has watching his team play the way they play on a night in night out basis. Uh, and how the crowd reaction, the fan support, you realize they've had one crowd one this year under 18,000 people at PNC Arena, right? One. Yeah. And you know the game? Caps game. The Caps game, right. So it was like 16-4 for the Caps game, and they're going to have like 55 for the <laughs> next Caps game. Um, but what it's meant to me is a... It's, it's just so hard to quantify. <laughs> it's so hard to put into words. Um, I mean, I'm a Mets fan. Um, I'm not really a fan of anything else other than the Hurricanes. I don't have an NFL team. I don't have a college team anymore. Um, I don't have an NBA team anymore. The whole it just it it matters more for my relationship with people yeah. than it does for me as a fan. Um, but ultimately, and I plan on being at Game Seven this time if there's a Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals, unlike 2006. Um, it's a terrible story, um, but uh, it it means more to me personally for the way I think it will make other people feel. But I mean, I, it also means a lot to me. I want it. I want it to happen. I want it to happen for for everybody involved. So. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if that really answers the question of me as a fan. Uh, I'm so far out of fandom <laughs> that it's 
that's an occupational hazard that it's um it's kind of hard to put that in words but i you know my relationships with a lot of people it would matter so much to them that i'd love to see it happen yeah and um i'll end it on one quick easy thing uh how excited are you for that outdoor game i'm was he I'm not excited for the amount of extra work it's going to be. Uh, you know, the pregame, postgame are all going to be longer. Uh, the uh, the network postgame is going to be significantly longer. We're going to stay on the air for a while, I think, after the uh, after the game on the network, and then uh, I'll have the uh, aftermath, and then I'll have a podcast. I mean, that, that's going to end at like two in the morning. For me, I'm going to be just completely exhausted. The lead up to it is also going to be, you know, some a lot of work. But uh, I just think that events like this, you have to be a part of if you can. Yeah. And I'm really excited to be a part of it. I know I'm going to be outside for the game. The whole thing, radio broadcast is all going to be outside. So I'll be out there for that. Um, Fan Fest on Friday should be a lot of fun. And I do for, you know, all of your listeners slash viewers, uh, we're going to be out there Friday. So, I mean, my show is going to be out there from noon to three, but I'll be down there earlier and I'll probably be hanging out a little bit after. So, I mean, don't be a stranger. Come on down. Let's talk hockey. I mean, we're, we're talk hurricanes, forget about hockey. Let's talk about hurricanes and what it's meant to everybody else. Um, it's obvious that the, the fan base is super engaged in the whole process. And I mean, I know the NHL has made more tickets available, but we knew that was going to happen anyway. So there should be a, an absolute, absolute blast. And Raleigh does big events very well. Completely agree. I know we'll be at the game. We'll be at the Fan Fest. We'll be tailgating that day. So you, sir, are welcome to stop ah. by if you'd like. Um, we might, might have a cold beer for you if you'd like. An adult <laughs> beverage. Oh, by the way, have you seen the weather report? Yeah, I saw it's supposed to might rain that afternoon. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I realize it's it's like two weeks out, but I don't like it. Yeah, I'm, 42 degrees and rain, not ideal for outdoor hockey. Yeah, and uh, we will try and stop by Fan Fest and say hi Please to you. Do. Um, we want to thank you again, sir. Always a pleasure to have you on. Anytime, man. I always love it when Adam Gold comes on. Just his takes are always, you know, so like mean they're thought out, and I agree with him, right? Um, I mean, he he's been saying it for the last couple of years, right? You need that top six goal scorer. That's really been the the missing piece, and I think the way KK has been playing, just kind of an aside to that, in addition to the conversation I have with him, the way KK has been playing, you wonder. Can you afford to not do the centerpiece, but instead get that, you know, Timo Meyer player, right? Yeah, exactly. And and that was that was the uh perspective coming into the season. Um, because if you think you needed that second center, then Pacioretty wouldn't have been traded here. Yeah. And I think it's to the point where I believe a player like Jonathan Taves, and you would think, oh, he's expensive. I don't think he's going to cost that much. I don't know if O'Reilly would cost that much. So, I mean, if you can go in and get a player like that plus Timo Meyer, I think you're okay. But I think if you're looking at it, you're going to get a forward and a defenseman. I don't think you get two forwards and a defenseman or just two forwards. I expect Waddell to address the top six and address the bottom two for the defense. 
and whether that's a top six center or, you know, Timo Meyer. And I believe if it's Timo Meyer, he gets extended pretty quick, if not immediately after the deal. Yes, definitely. Uh, so it, once again, just thanks to all the people on this episode. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, basically all of the uh, guests that we've had on. We couldn't get Wade, unfortunately, though. Yeah, that was the only one we didn't get with him. It was just a little bit harder for me to find a way to contact him again. But we appreciate him too. I mean, for sure. One of our one of our um most listened to episodes was when he was on. So, you know, shout out to H. Wade Mentor, PA voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. He is awesome. Um we're a nice guy. Um we'll definitely look into trying to maybe get him back. But um H. Wade Mentor is an awesome guy. You know, again, shout out to him because he is a former guest of this podcast. We love him. He's awesome. One of the greats, definitely, in his profession. Yes, definitely. And, uh, Sam, you have a few words for uh, our listeners since yeah, this is our first year. Yeah, it's been one year. I have enjoyed it. You know, you and I had conversations a year ago about it. You had you've been looking and starting a podcast just kind of about hockey and kind of equipment and stuff like that. You had looked into some stuff, maybe more broad. And then I came to you because I had listened to – I won't name the podcast, but I had listened to a podcast – about the Hurricanes who just absolutely trashed Tony D'Angelo. And I just thought it was unwarranted. And I came up to you and I was like, I, I, why don't we start a podcast that's more based in reality, right? From people who know the game. I, I've played a little bit of hockey and I understand the game. I know professionals who've played. I, I've been immersed in it for many, many, many years. And I was like, you know, I want to talk about these players. And I hate the people who continue to just trash on this player for no purpose you know reason at all let's start a podcast so we can actually have viewers listen to a more based in reality and a realistic thought process on this and to me it was just let's talk about hockey let's talk about a sport you and i love we're season ticket holders it'd be something fun to do right that's the only reason we do it as long as it's fun you and i are going to keep doing it we enjoy it we have fun we love talking about hockey we love engaging with our listeners even even the trolls we love you too don't worry um every time we play boston or new york they always crawl right out of the woodwork and it's kind of fun for us um uh, even though we don't always get all the love on some of these articles that were written this week, it's totally fine. We know you guys listen to us because we see the numbers. So we have fun, and that's what we want to do. We want to engage with you. It's allowed us to meet some great people. Scott Burnside, Adam Gold, Mentor. It has been an absolute honor to do this, and I'm looking forward to another season of this. I'm looking forward to continuing it and looking forward to all the new things that are in the pipeline for the podcast. It's It's been enjoyable. Um, as always, we encourage you guys, if you want to come talk to us, come talk to us. You want to tell us how dumb our takes are? Go ahead. It's fine. I know. <laughs> I know I'm a little bit more of a hot take kind of person. And Sam, you you might be a little bit more grounded in reality. I know some games you're coming out of that game and you're angry, you're hot, and you're mad. And some games I'm coming out and I'm angry and I'm hot and I'm mad. But you know what? It's fun to be able to bounce it off. And then he knows better than to let me record after we get shellacked by a team that I hate because he knows I'm going to get really angry. <laughs> um, so uh, please keep listening. Uh, any feedback you have, we are always, always, always interested in it. Um and we've enjoyed it. Uh, again, yeah, thank you to all our guests, and thanks for listening. 
Yes, and thank you, Sam, for those words. So um, I'll, I'll end this episode off with a few thoughts on my end on the podcast. I remember um, over a year ago uh, just planning on doing the podcast because I've always greatly admired, one, creative people, and second, I, I always love um, watching The Hockey Guy listening to Adam Gold and um, a good part of the Canes cast and getting inspiration from all those three kind of really helped me create this podcast. So I just really want to thank you guys all. But on a grander scheme of things, this whole thing did not start a year ago. It started in 1997 when it was announced that the Hartford Whalers would be moved to North Carolina to become the Carolina Hurricanes. First two years, I mean, they played in the Greensboro Coliseum. They made it to a quarter in quarterfinals in their second year, but lost to the Bruins. Uh, Ron Francis, Keith Primo, and Jeff O'Neill led the way. In 1999, they finally get to Raleigh. It's be at the PNC or. Then at the RBC Center, uh, no playoffs that year, but the Canes made a huge trade. Uh, they traded Keith Primo, a fifth-round pick, to Philadelphia for the second-round pick, Jean-Marc Peltier, and one of the best-known favorites in Rod Brindamore. Rod the Bod Brindamore, baby. Yes. Uh, the following two years, though, they made the playoffs. In 2002, they made it to the Stanley Cup, and but lost to the Red Wings, of course. However, Brenda Moore, Eric Cole, Adams, and Moore that was on that team would have another chance at that Cup. And uh, following a few seasons, though, they failed to get in the playoffs. But in 2006, they finally managed to get into the playoffs, and they were able to beat Montreal in the quarterfinals. Devils in the semifinals. Sabres in the conference finals, and obviously in Game 7 against Edmonton, Hurricanes finally won that Stanley Cup. And also in that crowd, I'm sure you were probably in that crowd too. I don't know what year you got into the Hurricanes, but that was the year um, a kid, and of course that kid's me, got to love both the sport and the Hurricanes. And even though they failed to reach the postseason again, uh, the following the following seasons they made it back in two thousand and nine with, and they reached the final four. But that race made quite a few memories. Uh, shock at the Rock with that huge win in Game Seven against That's the, the Devils. I became a fan. That was when you became a yep. fan. Wow. Um, the UC Yoganen's two tenths of a second goal against the Devils. That was probably one of my best memories ever, in my opinion. And, of course, Scotty Walker's goal in Game 7, overtime goal against the Bruins. Uh, They had a huge string of seasons after that of missing the playoffs. That's why we call them the Dark Ages, because it was so long. But still, we had favorites like Jeff Skinner, Um, even Simon, even though he didn't work out, and to some extent, Justin Falk even. Uh, Of course, Ron Francis was named GM, and he kind of put this team on somewhat of a rebuild. I don't think it was a full-on rebuild because we didn't really get a lot of the first or second positions in the draft. But then in 2018, everything changed when Tom Dundon 
took over as a new owner of the GM, and that's when the success started to begin. And it's just amazing just to see this team come back into the playoffs after such a long time. It, it, It really is. And... And it was during that time that really sparked me wanting to start a podcast. Um, because even though this podcast did start a year ago, this whole thing started when the Hurricanes came to Raleigh. That's, to me, the most important thing. And we couldn't have gotten this far without you. The, the most important aspect of why this podcast is going on for a year is because of the amount of listens that we're getting. And that's why the whole theme of this episode is about the people that got us here. So we just want to thank you so much for listening to us. Yep. So, yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy this very, very long episode, but it's packed full from a lot of people that have, uh, that are interesting. You know, if you don't want to listen to the whole thing, I get it. Want to listen to Adam Gold? Listen to Adam Gold. What he has to say is always good. Scott Birdside. I know if you loved the segment with your dad, come back, take a listen to him. Holden. You know, we have a lot of great people. There's a lot of things to pick and choose from. If you haven't listened to episodes when they've been on the first time, go back and check them out. They're really good. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's been a great, great year. And it's a good way to really segue into this part of the season. As John Forslund says, as we go down the stretch. Exactly. We will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Kaniac Report. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. Can't get enough of the Kaniac Report? For more content or to connect with the Sams, check them out on Instagram and Twitter at the Kaniac Report. We'll see you next time.